All right, so I want to start off this episode first by saying congratulations to my special guest for getting her, not getting, but like completing her college Bachelor's career degree. degree. Yeah, I don't Sorry, know if it, I, I wouldn't say career because you're probably not done considering you might go to grad school at some yeah. point. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm leaving that open because yeah. I just graduated yesterday. I don't want to think about it yet. Yeah, but congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. We're all so very proud of you. Thank you. Um, she graduated with her bachelor's in sociology and in English literature. literature. Mm-hmm. Yeah, see, so we're very different in that sense. Actually, we're different, but if you really think about it, we're very similar because mm-hmm. I studied in a creative field, which was art. You did English. Yeah, mainly and then, for creative reasons, honestly. Exactly, and then, but we then we both went into the... Social behavioral, sciences. Yeah, so I did political science and you did sociology. So technically, we did almost the same thing, but in different ways. Research. We both did qualitative research. Yeah, qualitative, that's my favorite. With the Yemeni community. Yep. Are you low-key we'll, trying we'll to be Yemeni, me? So that's what everyone already probably <laughs> thinks that because they're just like, oh, Minnie knew it. And I'm just like, please don't make me <laughs> hurt myself. If I'm anything, I feel like oh, I want to be like you when I grow up. First of all, you're so popular on Twitter. I don't understand I how that happens. <laughs> Can you like send some of that my way? I feel like my page doesn't get a lot of I'll love. I'll just promote. I'll be like, well, you know what? After this episode, I'll tell everyone, hey, go listen to this episode and that's gonna be the tweet that no one likes or retweets probably not because honestly well but hey that ramadan tweet though the the one about okay you guys ramadan is gonna happen twice in the year 2030 just just really into it it's interesting but you also have to understand that the reason i didn't get it when you initially you know was bringing up the idea was because I was hungry. It was like right before we broke our fast. Oh yeah, you you were breaking your fast. I'll give you that pass, you know. But okay, that's why I I literally touched it. But I was trying to understand if it was because it was going through a December January, like it was going between two years, but literally happening within the same thirty days. No, but no, no. I realize now that it's happening in twenty thirty. At the beginning of the year, and then again at the end of the year. So, ladies and gentlemen, 2030, save your Ramadan 2030 banners, because you can use it twice (laughs) that year. But then my my brother Hamza, he was just like, I'll just get one that says Ramadan Mubarak, and that's it. (laughs) Which is probably what all of them say. I actually doubt that they um, put some type of view on it. But yeah, that was actually a very interesting fact, and I don't think anyone's noticed that before. Yeah, because I thought about it, and I'm like, okay, it moves back, and I'm like, we're going to get... You know, into the spring, and then eventually it's going to hit winter, and then I'm like, wait, it's going to be January. And then when it goes back, it's going to be December, but it's going to be December of that same year, because we're moving backwards. I'm just backwards, excited to finally forwards. be able to take part in the holiday festivities like everyone else. And also be, what is it, victims to capitalism and the market? We already are. You're saying that <laughs> we're not. Party City had all the Ramadan decorations, know, which you made me go it. by. I did so. not. Yasmin did. Yeah, well, why do you think we have the one that I brought? Yeah, I said buy me one while you're at it. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> It's cute that we ha- we need to update it. It is cute. We're taking photos with my dad there every, well, we try to every day. Okay, we it's fail so because currently it says Ramadan, no, it says 17 days till Eid. We're in the last 10, 10 days. I know because we don't True, update yeah. it. Well, I was I going feel to like finals and really... graduation. What was your excuse? <laughs> I was fasting and I work full time. Plus, I manage a podcast and many other things, as you know. Anyways, I didn't bring you on here to attack me. So <laughs> she's I feel like her resume. <laughs> I feel like we get overly excited when Ramadan starts and we have all these ambitions and like this whole. Wait, side note: someone put a comment in one of my posts. Um, saying how it was the episode that I did with the young and Muslim, um, and mm-hmm. she made a comment about how I, I guess something about like I sounded unintelligent because I used like and um a lot. So I'm gonna be cautious. Oh, let's talk about no. Let's talk about that. Remember how we talked about it the other day? Yeah, yeah, yeah. About using certain words. Yeah, yeah, yeah. First, but I'm uh, talking about like just me saying like and um. So I actually edit that out. But that episode, I was just like, you know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna overwork myself and edit all these little. Don't bother editing out of this episode. I'm gonna say like a lot. But you know what? I got my degree in English literature. <laughs> <laughs> so so I'm it's actually, um, it's like I'm pretty sure it's probably a type of code switching. Well, maybe not code switching exactly, but you know. Okay, can you whole... explain what code switching is, Ms. sociologist, so, sociolinguistic? Code switching is basically if you speak in a certain type of slang or dialect. And you're able to kind of, at least from what I understand. So basically, code switching is where 
if you have a certain dialect or something or you have certain like set of slang words that you use but you're able to depending on what setting you're in you're able to change between that so for example I know me and my friends that are also Yemeni a lot of us are able to switch into Yemeni like slang and then also like accents too like we'll imitate like our parents accents and we're able to do that similarly um I'm trying to think I feel like with the internet now a lot of people are able to use like slang from different parts of the world so like people in the UK will use slang that's like banter southern yeah well uh, yeah and then we'll use slang from the UK like banter in it 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 sounds ugly when we say it but you know I mean yeah yeah yeah. it's yeah you know what I mean arguably like Mm that yeah so um basically being able to switch between either or so a lot of people think like oh you sound unintelligent if you speak a certain way well actually if you're able to move from that to something else it means you're more intelligent because your mind is able to make that switch really fast yeah or just you know just be you're you just know more yeah so you're able to de or you're you're able to understand what they're saying you know what i mean but anyways go ahead oh no i was gonna say i'm like doing qualitative research do you think that makes you feel like be a better speaker or or a bit more comfortable with like your voice especially like now that you do a podcast you obviously have to like get used to your voice and be comfortable with it but now do you but do you feel like part of doing that qualitative research because at least for me doing qualitative research because I just got out of it and I'm actually hopefully hopefully gonna extend it but doing it for like months it's helped me get used to like just speaking and listening to my own voice because I have to literally replay it oh yeah all the time I mean almost three years of doing this it's Every time I edit, there's something else that I learn about myself and things that I pick up. And it's not just that, but also listening to people and listening to podcasts. And you listen to people's, like, there's, like, a cadence, like, a tone, the way that people... Like, you have to have, I feel like, a specific tone or rhythm. Because if you're, like, monotone, no one's going to want to listen to you, you know? So you have to have some kind of beat. Um, And it could be, you know, your own style. But anyways, okay, going back to the Ramadan thing, because I think this is something interesting that we can talk about. By the way, we have absolutely no idea what we're going to talk about. We're just going to talk. Oh, yeah, we don't. Oh, yeah. Because this is how it is all the time at our house. Our best conversations come from this. And then we're like, we should do a podcast, you know, episode on this. And then we don't. No, but I feel like we go into Ramadan and it's, you know, tonight, the the last 10 days. So, inshallah, we'll be going to Salat al-Qiyam tonight. But at least for me... And um, I I guess I want to start off with a little bit about how Ramadan has been. And from my experience and what I'm seeing from speaking to my friends and just see, well, seeing people online talking about their experience is we, we really are excited for Ramadan to come, right? Because we all have something that we want to change about ourselves mm-hmm. and we feel like this is the perfect opportunity for us to finally do it. It's like a reason to do it. And sometimes we're a little overzealous and we're like really excited and ambitious and we have all these things in like the first couple days we're in it and then it like i feel like people go through a slump too you go through a slump and then you start feeling guilty because for whatever reason i think we assume that everyone else is just on a spiritual high and -hmm. we don't recognize that it, it it has its ups and downs and um one of my favorite people huda from yes i'm hot in this who i've done a previous episode with she's doing this whole series of her comics and one of and and a lot of them are just really great um social commentary pieces that that really touch on the experiences that people go through during ramadan and that's like you know okay you know you're not you're not far enough in the quran um and where you want to be or you're not spiritually there. Like some people, it's just like you just don't feel it. And I think all mm-hmm. of that stuff is okay. But the problem is, is no one ever really shares that. So people if you feel guilty then. Exactly. You feel guilty. Like I had this whole setup and I mean, I still do it, you know, pretty well. But it's not the way that I expected because real life hits you. And then when you're fasting, you're maybe not as energetic to like write or do certain things. And you just kind of lay there. Or you're keeping yourself busy so you're not focused on the fact that you're hungry. And then when you break your fast, you're just, like, done. Yeah, like, I remember for me, um, I mean, yeah, I think definitely a lot of people go through, like, that Ramadan slump where they just, they, like how you said, they feel guilty. Because it's, like, if you think about it, Ramadan is so short. It's, you know, your one opportunity because you don't know if you're going to have this opportunity again. Yeah. So it's, like, you know, you want to take full advantage but then if you're just not feeling it or if you just can't get yourself to do it and especially because a lot of us were tired 
we can be sleep deprived we can be you know dehydrated you know what i mean a lot of these things like it's hard to take care of yourself also, and there is that self-care aspect that i feel like is being promoted with ramallah as it should be you know what i mean yeah but it's hard to maintain so i think a lot of people they do feel je- not jealous uh guilty yeah if they can do that I think, too, for me, like, in the beginning, I don't know, something about being hungry and dehydrated and just being very weak physically made me very weak emotionally, too. Like, the first, like, week was just really, really, like, taxing on me. Like, it was, I don't know if you noticed, but I was just, like, super low energy. I was just not, I don't know. I felt very down. Mm -hmm. And I think I shared something about it, like, on the podcast. I called it, like, Ramadan Blues, but... I think that that's also just interesting. Something about that experience of being weak physically and I don't know. I like I can't explain it, but it yeah. just it put my emotional state on a different level. Mind you, I was also like pre-PMSing, so I think that also has to do something with it, but it was just like a really interesting time and so I was just really keeping to myself and yeah, it was it was really weird. Like I don't really feel like that now, but I definitely felt it in the beginning and I was like, "Whoa, this is not what I was expecting in the beginning of Ramadan." Yeah. I know for me this was my first year and oh, possibly my last of doing finals with Ramadan. Oh yeah, that must have been hard. That was that was really really difficult. Um well, yeah, so for me like the first few days of Ramadan, it, it hasn't hit like finals yet and things were pretty like okay, like in terms of like what was going on in school so for me things were kind of calm um work was like starting to calm down because I also worked on campus and it was all good to go um so like for me I really took advantage the first few days and I remember like I really made sure to take advantage and like read Quran and like read like read a lot of Quran read a lot of like you know Islamic books just like I remember like right after Fagr I would stay for like a whole entire hour or like two because I would just stay up until like work or like yeah. school at seven and I would just stay up and then I would just like be reading and like making dua and all this stuff and I still do that but I feel like it's been definitely a lot less and for me with finals going on it was just a lot more difficult to maintain it I remember I, w- I would get like a lot of stress and anxiety over my like what was going on in terms of school in terms of like deadlines and you know, there's this one uh, exam, which I, I knew I failed. I don't know what she ended up grading me, but my final grade was a B. So, yeah. alhamdulillah, I'm fine <laughs> with that. Um, but I was literally so done at this point. I was like, as long as I pass enough to obviously, like, pass a semester, which usually I, I aim for, like, A's or maybe a B if it's, like, a really difficult class. This time I was like, if I get a C in this class, I'm fine. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it was just really stressful and then graduation too right because there's a lot of prep that goes into that yeah definitely. which by the way i really and no offense but i hate graduations i've hate never them liked too. them i didn't walk in my own graduation i only walked when i did my master's because it was a smaller more intimate ceremony and because my dad wanted me to like I, I did it for my parents but they're just so long and you're literally waiting for a moment. One, one. It was not only the biggest one, but you were not where we thought you were going to be because yeah. the school switched and you walked with English and not sociology. And I wish I walked with sociology. That's one of my regrets. <laughs> I'm like, the only reason why I walked with English is because some of my closest friends are in English. But Which she got the outstanding student for sociology and yeah. she didn't walk with that department. I know. Oh my you could have held the sign. Yeah, but I mean, Ramadan now at the last 10 days, I feel like the those really always feel like it feels like Ramadan because mm-hmm. you're just going to the masjid in the middle of the night and it's always more peaceful than it is for t- in Taraweeh because Taraweeh is just packed with everyone and kids and at this point at like 2, 3 a.m. in the morning kids are asleep if they're except for the 27th night yeah then that's that's like where the, it's like everyone shows up yeah but it's still <laughs> somewhat quiet it's just more yeah. people um but yeah I do prefer that um I feel like that's time. a good point to like also revive things you know what i mean like it's a really good like when you go through that slump yeah 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 this like is a the good last time where 10 it's like, days okay, is like okay days. i need to pick step up and yeah. like Oops. really be advantageous with this time because it's yeah. it's it's going by really fast mm-hmm. no yeah let's attack let's have um vegan vegan community let's all attack Nora There's, right now I, probably none that listen to my podcast no wasn't it last time didn't you say how someone said something rude on our on our episode because we talked about veganism what did they say I don't know. Oh, or they said sure. something kind of weird. It was like... I think I, mean, I, w- I got feedback about like saying 
like Islamic context and stuff like that. But um, I don't know if it was anything weird. But okay, so this is here's why I ate salmon. That's all I ate. I was wild caught salmon that I bought from Sam's Club because um, when I went to the Middle East a few months ago, or actually like half a year ago, um, I wasn't eating properly. And if I don't eat properly and I don't eat enough protein, I have hair loss issues. And so I've been seeing a specialist, a doctor, for those issues for about a year. And she's been very incredible. I'm actually thinking of bringing her on a podcast and like discussing kind of what my treatment was like and how um, I got my results. And because she specifically focuses obviously like on the individual, but she has a lot of hijabi clients and they Mm -hmm. come from like the Middle East and stuff. She's based off in LA. Um, And obviously she can't like, unless you can go to her, which I go to her weekly every Saturday, Mm -hmm. um, you know, you can't get her services. And it's pretty incredible what she does. And a lot of it is very holistic. And um, anyways, so she's been on my case since the first day I went there. Cause she did like this full exam. And she basically told me being a vegan is great and healthy, but hair is made of protein and you're going to need to eat more protein than like the normal person. So I thought I could supplement it with plant-based protein. And although I was doing an okay job at it, um, it wasn't until I went to the Middle East and with just with the change of the environment, I was losing a lot of hair. Mm-hmm. Um, stress-related, my scalp was inflamed, and then just my food was really bad. Like, there wasn't a lot of food options for me, especially, like, for lunch and dinner. And so that all had some type of effect on it. And so when I came back, um, I was really unhappy with that experience. And so, I, well, anyways, I, I, I made that choice to eat eggs when I was there because it was the only option that I had in terms of upping my protein intake and I was not going to eat any type of animal I didn't want to at that point yeah I can never honestly go back to uh, fish I can see eggs I can see I can't see dairy that just no oh dairy God, is dairy disgusting no. to me and, and, I, and I love almond like milk and oat milk or beef no because I love is, cows beef is gross Sorry, like no, I, I'm, yeah. I have no, no yeah. appetite for any other meat. Like, um, halas, like it's just go or like. Uh, no, 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 no. I never really liked that stuff from before. Anyway, it was mainly chicken and fish, but so that helped actually a lot. And my treatment did even better than it was before I traveled. And then um, I realized, okay, well, I'm not going to keep eating eggs all the time because there's only so much eggs that you can eat. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, okay, so I'll take the next step. And the next step was. Um, fish and it was going to either be like shellfish or salmon and I've always loved salmon so I mean I've only had it once since I bought it and I bought it in the beginning of Ramadan but it was interesting because the day that I made it I feel like my parents were so happy and they were like looking at me as I'm sitting there like about to start eating it like they couldn't believe I was actually gonna have fish because they think it's the strangest thing that you and I don't eat meat and haven't for three years but yeah I mean I'm happy with the decision I've had great results with my uh, my hair I think hijabis in general suffer from different types of hair issues and it's something that I've had a lot of conversations about on my podcast page yeah because I've put it up before and a lot of girls were saying how hijab has either messed up like their texture or it's caused them hair lice or hair lice <laughs> hair loss whoa hair lice actually it probably prevents hair lice yeah it probably prevents it um, and then just also like a receding hairline because those caps that you wear under the yeah. hijab are really not good for you. But see, okay, here's the other th- issue. Hannah. Oh, well, okay, I stopped wearing them. Here's the thing. Now I only wear them when I wear chiffon hijabs. Because you kind of need yeah, it. Yeah, I, I need it. But if I'm not wearing, like if I'm wearing those crinkle or cotton hijabs, I stopped wearing them. But the issue is though is that your hijab keeps slipping off sometimes. And like I'll tuck it in and like I'll fix it. But sometimes I don't. So... I'm just putting this out there. It's it's a struggle, just in general. Covering your hair. Yeah. And then, you know, everyone's like, you have a hair showing. And, like, that's fine if, like, you point it out, like, kindly. But then there's some people where they're just like, don't You're- be one of those girls. And I'm just like. Yeah. Well, yeah. so it's funny because one of my friends um, on Instagram, she just mentioned about, there was, like, a picture she posted of herself and her hijab was, like, lopsided. And she said, I still don't know how to keep it, like, stay put she's like asking for advice if any girls like have any recommendations and mm-hmm. i messaged her and i said you know when i hairspray my hair down when i brush it back like it'll still slide around but it doesn't give you that 
like push of the hairs where they start coming out of the side of your head, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and it starts feeling really uncomfortable as well when it starts, your hair starts shifting, especially if yeah, you have really soft hair. Like my does. hair is really soft and it does that and it's so annoying. So I hairspray, but the only thing is, is you have to wash your hair then every night, which I know most people say that they don't do that because they think it's not as good. But my doctor actually recommended that I wash my hair every night. I wash my hair every single night. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you see my hair, my hair has become incredibly soft and healthy um yeah because i have to cleanse my scalp because my i have such a sensitive scalp so i i wash my hair every day i mean how do like just think about how non-hijabis do it because i'm pretty sure a lot of them it looks like they style their hair every day you know what i mean like well i think it's more for convenience and so, so that like, it doesn't dry out their hair especially if it's treated hair if you have what do treated you mean? hair it's going to be dry so if you wash it all the time you lose those natural oils yeah. that are making your hair soft but i think that if you're are eating healthy and you're not doing a lot to your hair in terms of heat and color and chemicals then you don't need to wash your hair every day. i mean you wouldn't need to skip days to wash your hair because it would never be dry well you that's could the thing though but day. with hairspray you put it on that's already chemicals you know what i mean like when i whenever i put on hairspray i'm like oh i really need to wash my hair like well, instantly by chemicals i mean like dying stuff that like fries your hair hairspray is a chemical yes but you wash it off and it's gone but when you like if you strip your hair or you bleach it like that's damaging to your hair well you yeah but even for girls you... who don't like i still feel like they don't and also depends too because like a lot of this we're basing it off of like it depends on who we're basing it off of you know what type what type of hair they have you know what i mean mm-hmm. like i feel like i'm i'm instantly thinking of like youtubers that i watch that are like white and they might have like blonde hair or you know what i mean they just have hair that's like that's not the but same see, as ours. But also, like, it, it's going to be very relative to their their hair type. Yeah, that's so what I'm right. saying. No, I know. But, for example, it's the same thing, like, with skin. There's a lot of girls who can, like, sleep with makeup on or, like, oh, barely do anything to their face. And their face never really gets... Like, they don't, they're not acne prone. They don't, they don't have sensitive skin. And there's girls that, like, if they just wear makeup for, like, an hour, they're already breaking out. Or they get texture on their skin. And so those girls, yeah, are going to do more to their face and take care of it and more maintenance which is kind of I guess my situation with my my scalp and not necessarily my hair it's my scalp um and that's another thing too is I think we focus on hair care and not scalp care and there's a difference between the two that's Mm -hmm. something I I was um became more aware of but anyways yeah I need to work on mine more too honestly I mean in terms of like I'm trying not to with the cap because at first like I remember you recommended it to me a while ago and I was like no I have to have the cap like it feels so uncomfortable. And you know what? I didn't like, I didn't I like the how the exact same way. But and now I can't wear it. Yeah, no. Now for me, I'm like, you know what? Like, me. I mean, I can do either headaches. or, but it's just, yeah, no. I prefer, like, if it's chiffon, I, I'll have to, obviously. And I have been wearing a lot of chiffon recently. But, like, if it's a uh, crinkle hijab, I think for me, just out of, like, laziness, I'm like, I'll just yeah. be like, let me put it on real quick and then. I want to talk about, um, this just kind of came to mind because I thought what would be something that would be interesting that we could talk about that maybe could be relatable to other people and that's sibling relationships in terms of like two sisters especially because we are the youngest in the family we are seven years apart and we Mm -hmm. live together obviously the longest than everyone else because we still live together it is not easy to maintain a relationship with a sibling (laughs) <laughs> why are you laughing no i'm being serious no I'm i think like, that the relationship no right <laughs> no the relationship that you and i have I'm on like, her podcast I brought her here so i could lay it down uh, i have my grievances with give you give me my blazer black back <laughs> my black blazer back no um she doesn't do you have my blazer no i don't think so uh, okay no i'm no, you I have was... my <laughs> you have my jacket for a while though anyways <laughs> i think that part of and our relationship is not perfect by any means i think once in a while we'll argue and be annoyed by each other but i think that we've come such a long way over the years and i think well, it's I mean, because yeah, you have to put being effort kids to being adults kids teens kids, adults. as in when i was out with my friends or on dance floors and i would randomly appear and scare the <laughs> shit out of me because i would be dancing and i would just look and i'd see this curly haired girl like just standing there and i'm like hannah what are you doing like go with the little kids and she'd be like no she was attached you were attached yeah to me. i remember, remember i remember like i would have like like your friends younger sisters that would also be my friends but like if i i would not go up to them like yeah you were so attached to me 
And it was just so awkward because I literally didn't even have to take care of you. I just knew you were going to be there. <laughs> I'd go sit. Like, we'd get grab cake or something. And then I next thing you know, I just know she's standing right there next to my chair. <laughs> it was so cute, though. And then I think we had the hardest time when you were in high school. Yeah, I guess I can see that, yeah. I think that's because that's when you started gaining more independence and, like, we're, we're more pushing are just back. Hard. They are hard. And I was, like, I think what was hard for me was I was still, like, a young adult. But, yeah, I had to take on this large responsibility of kind of raising you because at that point, no one was left at home. Mm-hmm. It was just me. And, you know, my parents are immigrants and they're amazing parents, but they can't they couldn't help you you know just certain with your things, academics like, yeah. and also like things that you were dealing with at school and just you were going through a lot when you were in high school mm-hmm. and so i had to take part in that and i had to i was taking you to like all your doctor's appointments and like just everything and it i think it oh yeah because i was anemic at that time and yeah. that's and also and that affected that my bl- mood yeah like, we I remember because you kept talking to me and you were like, are you being bullied? It wasn't was like, even no. just, no, it wasn't just even anemic. It was, there was something, I don't remember what it's called, but remember you had I to had like... strep throat. <laughs> <laughs> no, that what? was, that. I remember that. No, dude, chill. Strep throat is like something that comes and goes, but you had that like specific type of anemia. We oh, going did to I? a blood specialist. Yes, remember that doctor would come from LA? Oh yeah, I remember. Yeah, yeah. See, what even mom's sister here, it, I remember. It was just like, it was... They just gave me regular iron pills, so I don't know. I thought that it was just regular. Yeah, you also had to see a dietitian, and you had to go to the CBCC center, which was a, <laughs> a cancer center regularly. It was a cancer... So it was like really weird, and I would have to take you to those appointments. Oh, yeah. I remember being 18, I'm having sure. to carry a note with me all the time that was from my parents saying that they gave me permission to take you to the, these appointments and that I was able to like sit in with you. Because they never were able to attend or oh, yeah. take you. It was probably called HIPAA. <laughs> no, I learned it because I had a co No, I know what HIPAA She's a nurse is, now, but... but. Anyways, uh, yeah, it, it took a lot. It was a lot on me. Like, I had to grow up really fast at that time. But my personality has always been very responsible, I guess you could say. So it, it wasn't hard. I mean, it was hard. But what was hard is, like, how do you convince someone who's not your kid, who's growing up and becoming independent to open up and be okay with someone being so much in their space you know yeah because at the end well, of the I day i was also, your sibling i yeah. wasn't your mom I wasn't. well i think you also had to learn like to give me space too because i remember there were times where we would argue mothered you. and yeah i remember i would literally be like i'm leaving like i would just go to my room <laughs> and i'd be like no i'm not having this conversation right now and then you would like come like, in communication and, Hannah, we yeah. need to talk about this <laughs> And I was just like, not, not today. And then, you know, and, and then those were now bad. It's, yeah, now yeah. it's better though. Cause like, but that oh was, no. But yeah, no, I realized that that was bad on my part. The thing is, I think with anyone, like it, it kind of almost reminds me of like a marriage where when you start living with someone, you start seeing how they handle, let's say confrontation or arguments or a stressful situation mm-hmm. or conversation. Sometimes one person needs to take a break, even if the other person still wants to talk about it, you have to give the other person a break. And let them, and like give them that time, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, that's something that we had to learn. And I feel like we communicate better now when we do disagree on things. We, and sometimes it's like really stupid things, but when we do disagree upon it, it like lasts for that moment and then it goes away. Mm-hmm. Because I think I understand like, and you understand what we have to do to, to basically get over it. And like we pick our fights and we don't. Mm-hmm. We don't let every little thing bother us. Yeah. I think another big big thing with, like, sibling fights or whatever is not to get other people involved. That's like, true. That's we one never. Thing. Yeah, that's not my, the my parents involved. My dad always thinks, he's always like, you guys never fight. You guys yeah, are good. Like, I'm like, you just don't see it. Yeah, no. Because I think, you know, and one, I feel like that's, you know, when you're fighting with your sibling, it's like it's you versus them, like, battling. You know what I mean? Like, when mm-hmm. we're fighting, it's me and you, like, battling it out. Yeah. When one of us, <laughs> you know what I mean? But, like, when one of us bring in either one of our parents all, or another sibling. Yeah, and don't bring my mom into it. She is, like, trying to keep the peace, but she doesn't, <laughs> doesn't. She doesn't know how to do it. <laughs> no. She starts yelling at me because... <laughs> She'll yell at crier. both of us. <laughs> no, 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 no. Because I'm not one to cry, per se, Okay, here's the thing, though. I cry, but I'm like, no, just keep going. Keep going. (laughs) I'm like, let's keep it going. The thing is, is 
I've gotten used to seeing you cry and, and keeping it going. Yeah. Which I always tell you, like, this sucks because you start <laughs> crying and you make everyone feel like shit. Because, like, halas, you win, you win the argument because you start crying and it's sad. But when no, my mom sees that, my mom my does words. not like seeing, you know, us cry. So she immediately will just, she'll, like, attack me because she'll be like, what did you do to make her cry? I'm like, nothing. Like, yeah. I'm just expressing my feelings. And sometimes it's because you feel bad about something. And or then, sometimes it's just like I don't know how to express myself, and yeah. for me that's really frustrating when it's yeah. like I don't have the ability to. So for me, I don't know. I think like I know I am. I know like some of our siblings, like some of us are just more likely to cry than other. Like that's just I feel like how we are. Yeah. And that's the other thing about siblings. I always wonder like how that is determined because they always say like the baby is the one that's like the most sensitive. I think that's true. Yeah. I think part are. of it is because of the way that like and the middle we're children are like the most resilient because they've just had to like. Yeah. Figure things out. I'm not necessarily the middle child in, in terms of where I land in the sequence of, like, how we were born. But mm. I think I'm the middle child in the sense of, like, everyone is either, like, everyone older than me is has been married for many years, has kids. Like, they all share a commonality in that. And then there's you who was, like, young and still in college or in high school. And then there was me, like, in the middle, like, in her mid-20s not married, done with school. But I always felt like I was, I don't know, I always yeah. felt like I was I kind mean, of in the middle. Well, yeah, because, like, you, again, like how you said, you had, you had to, you had a sibling who was the baby. Like, I feel like, like, hypothetically, if I didn't exist, it's like, you know, meta, you, you got really excited. No, I was just no. thinking about how much I, I wish but for a, a younger sibling. And I remember, I'm trying to think of how nice my life would be right now if I was an only child I would feel like an only child basically. yeah you would right or I would like imagine if I was like a boy and like you had Girl, a brother if you instead. were a boy we'd be traveling the world we would I, I would not be, be like, here no. right now yeah that's like I got my younger better. brother <laughs> peace out <laughs> damn it Hannah well I don't know they you know some a lot of people think that but then I've talked to girls where they have younger brothers and then they'll say you know my younger brother you doesn't want to go anywhere chromosome you couldn't grab that y chromosome just on my way out <laughs> yeah you could have um that's not how biology works <laughs> you know i didn't study any hard sciences um but natural sciences don't say hard sciences because what behavioral science is not a soft science yeah no it's not a, it's a na- it's a behavioral science or social science but then natural sciences like natural why isn't behavioral natural we're by nurture <laughs> okay she got a degree now so she's flexing. smarter than me flexing her knowledge um but no at the same time too i think you just have to be realistic of how things are but i think the older you get the more relaxed i am because i'm just like you have your own life and yeah that's the other thing your own decisions. as soon as i, I turned can't. 18 i think a lot of things got easier for us because part of it was because I like the fact that you would kind of just tell me you're an adult now like I can tell when you disapprove of things but you would just be like you're an adult now and obviously you know it wouldn't be like big things okay so we just took a little break how little was it a few days (laughs) (laughs) and now we're back um so I want to do this segment I want to call it maybe twitter talks but Ooh, I one like thing that. thanks um put a lot of thought into it a few days <laughs> a few days thoughts into it yeah exactly um but i just feel like twitter has great content mm-hmm. um for different types of yeah. things like whether a lot it's of frustrating and, content too yeah so there's controversial things obviously there's like political things there's funny things i feel like twitter is a very funny place as well mm-hmm. so i thought what we could do since you and i always dm each other tweets anyway is um i'd invite you to like maybe share a tweet or i could share a tweet and then we can talk about it yes so uh, do you have something you want to or do you want me to go first yes actually i'm just thought of another one that i saw but that's a whole other talk other topic and we i saw a time, whole debate so. about like mahara prices oh god that, that, that one a good, that's a good one though that is um that could be just a whole topic on its own but um this one that I saw, do I name the person? I'm just going to name the person. Yeah, you can It's add. called Stolen Person. Um, his at is Queer Socialism. And this was the tweet. It was, correcting a non-white person's spelling or grammar is was- racist. I almost said racist. Okay, so uh, correcting a non-white person's spelling or grammar is racist. Jot that down. And so. what is the reaction people are getting? So... I mean, it has a pretty significant amount of likes, but this person, I think, has... Yeah, they have, like, 24.8K followers. 
Um, but a lot of the comments, like a lot of them are hidden and stuff like that. But it's about like questions. Oh, I just see even more comments. But a lot of it was like backlash. I saw, I actually saw it from people disagreed. Yeah, I saw it from someone else who retweeted it where they were just like, this is like so dumb and stuff like that. So what's your opinion on it? Um, I think it depends in the context. I guess that's everything, right? Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, the way that I interpreted this was like in terms of like um, dialects and like what is it like vernacular systems. Basically, like, I don't know, like if you think about the way that certain people talk and depending on where they're from or something like that, like I think if you write that out that way, like it's fine. And if anything, it's more correct than y'all. Or ancient. Yeah. Like, those were never technically words, but now they've kind of become words. Yeah, and, like, I'm pretty sure, like, you know, there are just some things where it's, like, if you write it down, like, on Microsoft Word, you know, everything goes off where it's, like, this is wrong, mm-hmm. but you kind of just ignore it anyway, and you keep on writing, because you know, and whoever your intended reader is, they know what you're trying to say. Mm-hmm. And most people probably wouldn't even know that it's not grammatically correct. What do you mean? Like, there's certain things that Word tells you it's not grammatically correct, but if you were to read it without the indication that there's like a squiggly line under it oh or whatever, yeah you would just assume it was fine yeah definitely so i think there's that but then and then there's some i think i think some universal type of things like like y'all i think pretty much everyone now is kind of saying it mm-hmm. or even if they're not seeing it they're familiar with it they know what it means but is it grammatically um, correct when it's y apostrophe al because it was it's like you all condensed Maybe it is. I don't know. You know, I just took, like, a linguistics class, and I don't remember. We talked about it, but, but like, I know, I mean, I guess we'll have to type it out to see. But for me, I guess what I was thinking when they met, when this person met non, what was it, non-white, basically, like, like people of color, um, spelling, like, correcting their grammar. For me, I thought of it in a way where it's, like, I don't know, I guess... Where someone says something under a certain slang or under a certain, you know, community. And it's like when you say it or pronounce it that way. So basically, like, if you're an uncultured swine, then... (laughs) What? (laughs) You've never heard that? I've heard of that phrase. Yeah, well, basically saying if you can't, if if you're correcting people because you don't understand, like, their like cultural jargon or like the way that they say things or maybe they have an accent. But I, 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 I lean more towards, I think, you see that how people you see it in a certain type of context, but I think that's such a small percentage and such a what do you mean small percentage? Well, again, you're the one who studied this stuff, so maybe I don't know. But when I read that, I I kind of more lean on towards the like, yeah, uh, it's kind of stupid to say that mm-hmm. correcting someone's grammar is because English language at the end of the day has grammar. So if you're correcting it based off of the English language that we predominantly use then they're just correcting the grammar. First of all, correcting people's grammar is annoying in general. It doesn't matter what color you yeah, are. Yeah, I do think it's annoying Obviously. In but I'm saying, like, to call it racist, I think that's just, like, a kind of blanket statement. Well, see, okay, well, that's the other thing. The reason why I agree with it to an extent is because, I guess, like, I, when I took a sociolinguistics class, this is probably so boring to people. Oh, my just God, I'm going, just realizing that now. <laughs> anyway, when I took a sociolinguistics class, for me, it was very interesting because we learned about different societies and different dialects and how, like, different communities, you know, speak a certain way. Um, like, we were just talking about, you know, how, like, my mom and her mom have, like, different dialects. Yeah, because be. they grew up in different areas. Yeah. So, um you know, pretty much with every language, that's how it is. And for me, the way that I took it was that, um, so what we learned in that class is that, you know, you might grow up with a certain dialect that's not the standard English dialect. Um, so, you know, either like a heavy Southern accent or I don't know, like a heavy New York accent or something. And then if you go somewhere where everyone else speaks the standard dialect and you're trying to like get a job or something, they say if you interview and you're not professional in that sense that can hinder you or things like I mean not just interview I feel like that's very and I guess it depends like I think wording obviously you Mm -hmm. can't say certain words obviously when you're in interview but I think the way that you say it I think like there's been studies showing that like people are discriminated by their language well like I work in agriculture and so there I think that sometimes there can be a stigma towards people who have like a country twang that they're like uneducated you know Mm -hmm, yeah um which is not the case because that that's not necessarily true mm-hmm. or at least in you know whether they're educated or not in terms of like having a diploma but a lot of them have the work experience and like the knowledge of the industry or 
whatever area that they're um, or field that they're in but people do assume that that is that you're somehow like kind of like a you know that you're just uneducated yeah or sometimes i feel like people who like uh like maybe english isn't their first language and that goes into something else so but you know what i mean like racist thing. i think maybe you're discriminating against someone if they're an immigrant or like because you yeah. can discriminate discriminate <laughs> you can discriminate it <laughs> i can't say the word discriminate <laughs> oh sorry I'm, I'm tired you can discriminate against someone who's white who has you know like a southern um twang who's very country so i think you can discriminate against anyone but i think it's just well i, I think it can hit racism on certain points like it, depending I'm on the context that's what I'm, saying other I'm, not, I'm not saying it doesn't it does but i think to say such a blanket statement like don't correct non-whites grammar because it's racist like that's like saying like no like that's telling people you cannot correct if anything there's a lot of brown people or people of color that are probably learning the language so maybe they want their grammar to be corrected or maybe they well yeah maybe in a school setting like if you're learning standard Can english but i think if you're grammar verbally i thought grammar was just in writing is that does it even exist in verbiage to me grammar is like I, writing i'm pretty sure it does i'm pretty sure but honestly i don't know That's i've never point. heard anyone say like your verbal I feel like grammar with, I f- well i feel like when you speak though that's sometimes it's so fast and it's i don't know i feel like but you know when when you're face to face with someone, or when you're speaking, like I feel like you're less likely to correct them, or maybe you're less likely to notice it. Whoops, to notice it. But for me, like I feel like when it's written, it's so easy because sometimes like you can read it over and over again, and it's like well, because it's also a lot more not to say detailed, but we know exactly what a, like you're more likely to spot a comma missing in a sentence than a like someone not taking the proper pause at a certain point of a sentence to you know. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like a comma is supposed to create a pause, but sometimes you might not have that pause when you're speaking, or maybe you do because it's natural. I don't know. Yeah. But interesting. I don't know. For me, I don't know. I thought that. I don't, I understand like the whole, I think a lot of people misinterpreted it, but I guess for me. No, it's an interesting I perspective. Was, I would have never thought of it in that perspective. Yeah. I don't know. I guess for me, just in terms of like, again, I what I went to when I thought of it was like, um, like the african-american vernacular system so like kind of and i learned about that like instead of saying like um he he is happy sometimes people say like he be happy and th- those are two different things so like that or um again like just when you're so speaking you, with so certain, in an educational setting you would be able to correct that if the educational purpose was language based if it was like let's say writing a paper then yes, I think that's fine. But I think what if about it's in terms of based? communication based, yeah. Well, that's the other thing. Even actually, when writing a paper, it depends on what paper you write. Because there are some where again that that's completely fine. I think the way that it depends on what context. You know what I mean? When you're writing a paper and when you're saying mm-hmm. something in a certain way. That's interesting. You disagree? No, come on. It's I'm not like, that I, <laughs> it's not that I disagree. I don't think I have enough knowledge to speak on it but just from my understanding like just we've always you know we're taught a certain way to speak and to write according to like what the English literature guidelines and rules are and and I feel like when you sit there and you let like to me I if I was in a teacher in a classroom which I'm not and I don't have credentials or anything but if a student said that I would say no the proper way of saying it is he is happy not he be happy well that's the other thing though like well, again, it depends on what context they're trying to... If they're saying it, if they're writing it, I would just No, no, no not that. I mean context isn't, like, what they're trying to... Like, what are they trying to... What message are they trying to convey? What's a different message that they would convey other than someone's happy? So, he is happy is, like, you're just happy at the moment. He be happy is, like, a state of being. That's that's what my professor, she taught me the difference. Mm. She was like, that's the two differences. No, that's interesting. I mean, so, like, you know what I mean? So, it's different. You know what I mean? Like, and if if you, I've heard of that before. Like, I mean, not necessarily he be happy, but, like, you know, the, the be part. Mm-hmm. And, like, you hear that. And, like, when I thought about it, I'm like, oh, that actually makes sense when you think about it's it. It's kind of like when they say, like, I be humble. Like, yeah. I be grinding. I be, you know, like. Yeah, it's like a state of, you know what I mean? Like, I being. guess like a. Like a certain phase, you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, it's interesting because I've always been interested in linguistics, but not... I feel like you're focused on English language and the different nuances and dialects and all that stuff, Um, whereas I'm more interested in how words translate over between languages. So, like, obviously I'm fluent in Arabic, English, and then I'm 
pretty good at Spanish. And so I see the similarities in which Arabic and Spanish, um, the similarities Arabic and Spanish has, um, even in terms of like the way that we align like our adjectives and mm-hmm. our nouns and our verbs and stuff like that. And it's very different than English. But just understanding like why certain parts of the world, you know, have an adjective before their noun or vice versa. And mm-hmm. um, just the way that we can say a sentence and in Arabic it could be like in one word it encompasses what the sentence is in mm-hmm. English or something. That's always interested me and I actually wanted to study linguistics when I was at, um, at school. But the department was so small so I knew I wasn't going to get much out of it. But I wanted to because I always like in my mind I always broke apart like the, how my mind balances between the two and understands yet they're they're very different like the structure um mm-hmm. obviously not very different but the structure has um differences and then when i obviously became more proficient or like better at spanish and then seeing the similarities still the differences between arabic but then the similarities between the two and stuff like that so mm-hmm. yes yeah, so me, for me i feel like it's because i don't I'm not as confident. Like, I, I feel like I'm very confident, alhamdulillah, with the English language. But I feel like with the Arabic, I always feel like I can improve on. With Spanish, I learned it, but then I completely forgot it. So you have to use I, it. I can't even. What do you mean? Like, if you don't use the language, you're not going to keep yeah, it. Yeah, you do. So, for me, I feel like with Arabic, I've been able to retain a certain amount just through, like, my religion and through, like, my family. You know what I mean? And, like, yeah, like being raised in a community. Yeah. But other than that, I feel like I, like, I don't feel the same level of confidence that I do with English. I, mm-hmm. I, as much as I'm really good at Arabic, I think what mixes me up is all the dialects and the versions of Arabic that I'm exposed to. Oh, yeah. And it makes it very complicated in my brain to figure out how I'm, which words I'm going to say because it's it sounds really silly when you jump from, like, my Yemeni dialect to another Yemeni dialect to a Khaliji dialect to, you know, a Shami, like, Palestini dialect that mm-hmm. I pick up from, like, my brother-in-law, my, my nieces. And my sister now, who predominantly has, like, a weird dialect as well, too. But it's just, there's so many. So, like, I want to do an episode. I, uh, I'm planning, inshallah, on recording it um, with someone who is Saudi Arabian. And um, I think she predominantly speaks Arabic, although she's, she's fluent in English. But I know she's going to speak Arabic because I, I notice in everything that I see her speak on, she's she mixes, you know, she brings both languages in. Mm-hmm. And so it makes it, I feel like I immediately do that, too, Um subconsciously just switch between the languages but then I'm like I don't want to hear my voice when I speak Arabic because I'm so much more confident in English than I am in Arabic and I wish that like my dream is to go live in an Arab country for a while just so that I can practice my Arabic and be more because like I can I mean obviously I'm very fluent in it and I can get by and I'm fluent at writing and everything but I want to be consistent with my wording like I want it to be as close to fusha or as close to like a general dialect that most people can understand and not so like yeah Yemeni. if i could i would actually love to get like an Arabic degree like in Arab, like the arabic language kind of like how we did with english where it focuses a lot on like, so, like the language I, and literature so i studied the arabic language pretty much my whole life since i was young in Arabic school and then all the years i was in yemen and when i came back up until i was in college i studied the arabic language and i studied specifically um Tajweed, which is like the way that you read the Quran, and there's mm-hmm. like a lot of rules into it. And like, I still now when I read, it's like embedded in me. Like, you once you learn it, you almost can't read the Quran the same way. Mm-hmm. So, like, there's certain um, ways that you have to enunciate mm-hmm. um, words, so certain letters. So, you learn about the origin. Now we're getting into like the Arabic linguistics part, but you learn about the origin of the letter where it comes from. And so, some of them they start at the tip of your, or I guess you, the, your lips. And then the tip of your tongue all the way down to your throat. And then mm. we have... Uh, yeah, I remember. Isn't there like a chart? I could have sworn I remember. Yeah. yeah. And then I think they're called... Um, damn, I might butcher this, but it's like... You know something. what? Actually, in my linguistics class, I think there was a similar chart. where, Or the, at least there was a way where we learned different letters that like... Or we learned sounds. Because I guess like there's this international like set of letters. And it's like it's pretty much it can be applied to any language but it's every single sound that a human can like make and there are some where it like nobody could pronounce in english but then like as she would pronounce it i'm like wait i'm like that sounds like an adobe letter and i'll be like wait and then there's somewhere it was like obviously you know something that could be pronounced in spanish but not adobe or english or yeah no but it's interesting and then you know the way that the words mix 
and so for example we have like in the english language like s and h you know together that makes sh right mm -hmm. so like it would be similar it's similar but not at the same time it's just how you and it's between words it's how you would blend the last um letter that would have like for example there's sakna. so there's a silent noon and so you have to figure out how that blends in with the next letter if that makes sense mm -hmm. okay so uh since i'm obsessed with twitter and so are you and probably everyone else i think what i want to do is set up some type of like twitter talk twitter episodes. talks twitter One. talks Damn, i'm gonna have to edit that out <laughs> that's gonna be in the background of no, <laughs> like a chat um, instead of your usual like music intro in the beginning yeah um don't make me i will use it uh, please don't <laughs> the i think it would be interesting because there's so many to me twitter is just open it opens topics and people are just they're just it's just a different type of vibe there so i think it'd be interesting if we did once a week since we are um neighbors our rooms are right next door to each other and roommates. then we'll just have discussion we're not roommates oh roommates what i said roommates oh no. roommates too i mean we're not twins we share the same womb though anyways okay okay do I sign off? Goodbye. Do I say goodbye? Oh, you want to do the, Yeah, you can do the ending. You can tell them where to find me and all that stuff. You can find Noor at This Muslim Girl Podcast on Instagram, Twitter. Do you have Facebook? I do, but I'm not active because I don't have my personal Facebook. Okay, then yeah. So I guess not her Facebook page. Um, do you? you what's your website or blog? This Muslim Girl. This Muslim Girl. Which I don't really update either. She does not Let's update that either. Twitter and okay, Instagram. Twitter and Instagram, This Muslim Girl Podcast. Um, should I plug myself? No, I'm just kidding. No. Okay, don't follow her. <laughs> no. Okay, Thank you. Uh, I'm the only one who likes her, her tweets, so. <laughs> I'm kidding. Ow.